fails. Let's start doing. All right, so uh, the reason I want to start out that way was because uh, I want you to take just a second, because we've been talking about it. This will be our fifth week, I think. Um, and uh, think on that for just a second. Like, what is, like, not, not a, not a uh, theological answer, not a complicated answer, but the most simple way that you personally would describe faith when you think about faith. So just think about that for just a second. And, um, you know, people have already quoted uh, Hebrews 11.1, but I'll, I'll go ahead and quote it again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think one of the reasons that um, sometimes when you think of faith and you think of defining faith, that it can become, um, you get so many kind of different descriptions because faith is, is uh, like Evie actually said, in the unseen realm, or it's not something that is seen in it of itself, although it has substance, like Hebrews says. In other words, it, it has, um, you can sort of touch it spiritually in your belief. Do you know what I mean? Like you can grab hold. And so it, it gives substance to things that you hope for. So you have this hope. And so you look at Hebrews 11.1 1, and you say, well, that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But that doesn't really fully define still what faith is. It kind of says this is what faith does. Faith gives substance to things that we hope for. And faith is the substance of what we hope for. But what is the makeup of faith? Or as we've titled this series, what is the DNA of faith? Like the building blocks of faith. If you could look at it under a microscope, what would you see? Well, I'm going to go over the, the things that we've said over the last few weeks. Well, one of the things is, is uh, an element of faith, a part of faith, is, is actually hope. Hope is a part of faith. And so that's why I get disappointed sometimes when you hear um, people uh, in what we would call like the faith camp or the faith movement throw out hope because I'm like, you, this is not good. <laughs> because first of all, you can't have faith if you don't have hope. Faith is the substance of things that you hope for. But, um, you know, looking in the uh, dictionary, you know, one of the definitions of hope is confident expectation. I remember being in Dad Hagen's meetings, and I don't think there was a meeting that went by. Out of all the meetings that uh, we were in the last, well, I was full-time with him the last two years, but then I was in meetings with him for like five years or, or more. I don't even recall. It was, it was quite a few. And so, but he would always say this, and if you heard him, uh, you probably remember, especially at the end of the, the meeting, like say it's a week-long meeting, so Monday night at the end of the meeting, he'll say, what will he say for the next service? Come expecting, and you won't be disappointed. In other words, uh, hope is kind of a confident expectation, so that's one element of faith, is hope. And then another element, of course, as uh, some, some have said this morning, is belief. You know, faith, if you want to say it real simple, Faith is simply what you believe, okay? And it contains all of these other things. But the problem is, we don't know what believe means. We assume we know what believe means, but we don't actually know what believe means. That's the real big problem. So I'll come back to believe in a second. So it's a hope, and it's a belief, and then it is uh, a fear, fearing God. In other words, an awesomeness of God. In other words, let me, let me think of this. 
Think of the most dire situation. In fact, I don't know if you guys were watching this week, but uh, you know they're really in a, an awakening and a revival down at uh, Kenneth Copeland's uh, son-in-law's church. And uh, there was a lady this week, they have healing services quite often, so there was a lady this week that um, she used to play the keyboard in uh, healing meetings like 15 years ago. And she, was, she would do it for, for healing ministers and stuff like that. And um, she uh, ended up having a stroke and she had uh, something with her thymus and they had, she had like uh, 81 or 82 different uh, diseases that were coming upon her because of a problem with the thymus gland and all this type of stuff. And so she was watching on the internet the services and uh, she received her healing. And so, but she's bound to a wheelchair. So she came and she, she uh, still had tremors and all this other type of stuff, but she had uh, noticed that it had begun, a healing had begun in her. So she's there in the service and she comes up to say, you know, I was watching and I just had to come. And so she came and, you know, She's like doing this, and she's shaking and all this type of stuff. Well, long story short, she gets up out of the wheelchair, can't walk, and she walks, and she's walking this. Like uh, we were in Dad Hagen's meeting in Atlanta. A lady got out of the wheelchair some similar way, and so like she's like can't hardly walk. But all of a sudden, now she's walking a little better, and she's walking better, and then she started running. And these tremors that she had, gone. Completely healed. Stroke symptoms, gone. Thymus problems, gone. And so she gets up. In the service, this is just last week, she gets up and she goes to the keyboard and she starts playing for this healing service that they're having. And she said, I haven't played the piano in 13 years. 13 years. So um, anyhow, uh, the power of God is the same today as it was yesterday. In fact, the power of God has never changed and never will change. And you have to understand that the world that we see, that we live in, the earth and all of the elements of the earth that they use to make all of this stuff, those are subject to the unseen world. This, uh, it's the, the Bible calls it the, the temporary world or temporal or it's subject to change. So there's some things that are subject to change, okay? We live in a world that's subject to change and of a world that is subject to change. We think of that a lot of times in the negative, well, like my grandparents are gone to heaven now. You know what I'm saying? That changed. And then um, people think like, well, uh, the, some people want to uh, confess bad things over the country, like the country's getting worse and all this type of stuff. And, you know, anyhow, subject to change, we're in the, the temporal or temporary world. So faith is hope. Faith is what we believe, but it's a heart belief, not a head belief. And then uh, it involves the fear of God, the awesomeness of God. So where I was going with that is like God is so awesome that it doesn't matter if you have 82 diseases in your thymus and it doesn't matter if you're paralyzed in a chair from your waist down and if you're shaking like this because you've got tremors and you can't hold yourself. That's of the temporary world. And the awesomeness of God, just the awesomeness of God, just who he is, his power, his glory, his knowledge, his wisdom... We'll, we'll blow that to smithereens, okay? So you have to have a fear of God, and then you have to have obedience, right? You have to obey, and um, so you have all of those elements of faith, but what, what makes up the difference? 
Well, one significant thing that makes up the difference, if I can find where I'm starting here, faith is actually to believe. So you're believing God. Faith is based on the word of God. I'm still not telling you what faith is, but it, its foundation is the word, right? Well, I am kind of telling you because it's hope, it's belief, it's fear, it's obedience. Um, and um, somehow I'm missing one. Trust. Thank you. How could I forget trust? So it's made up of all of these things. So trust, belief, hope, fear, obediencenes. You know, obedience. When I say fear, I want you to think of like the awesomeness of God. You understand? Like this is a big deal. Like God is a big deal. And uh, like no man has actually ever seen God face to face and lived. Right? So uh, so much power, so much glory, so much. Um, literally would blow you, you know, that's, that's how awesome God is. And so you also have the element of trust. So you have all of that, and then you have one more very important ingredient to faith, or one more very important element to faith, and it's really your connection to faith, and that is your will, okay? So your will is a huge part of faith. So those are elements of faith, but how would I say this? How do you actually grab hold of those elements of faith? In other words, how do those live in you and through you? How are those a part of you? In other words, well, I see that. I want to, I have hope. Okay, I can go that far. I have hope. I want to believe, but I feel like I can't believe. Well, the Bible says that God, you know, if you're dealing cards, the Bible says God has dealt to every man, talking of mankind, every person, the measure of faith. So every person has the measure of faith. But every person has a will. And so God's not going to override anybody's will. So anybody that says, I do not want to uh, have anything to do with Jesus Christ. I don't want anything to do with God. You know, he's just somebody, he doesn't care, and they're just spewing all of this nonsense. They don't have to accept Jesus Christ. They don't have to accept God. They don't have to be part of the kingdom. But um, when you come to be part of the kingdom, what do you do? You know that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, and so it's actually a decision that you make. I've said this uh, for years now, I guess, and it's, it's true. If you want things the promises of God to work for you. You need to go back to your initial reception when you initially received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? Everything that points back to that, you can pretty much say, wow, that's probably right on. And so when you receive Jesus Christ, that is the greatest act of faith that you could ever commit. You understand I said you committed an act. It's an act of your will. Remember we talked about this the last two weeks and the, the way the, the big theological dictionary says it is as an act of the will, as an act of your will, in other words, as a decision, you actually choose to give up your will. And that can sound confusing, but what you're saying is I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm now living the Christ life, the Jesus life. I'm living for him. And so from the initial inception of your salvation, 
the reception of what he's already done, of what uh, God did in Christ Jesus, that point is the beginning of your faith. And that point comes as a decision. And what we're talking about is in the unseen realm. Okay? I like how Evie said it. That's why I wanted them to start, and I wanted to see. It also really helps for people to think. And so she, she said it a little differently. I can't even remember how she said it, but that faith is believing in the unseen. Well, when you come to accept Jesus Christ, um, you're believing in the unseen, something that you cannot see. And so it's not of this world or from this world. It's actually from another world because it is um, from God. And he gives all of us uh, the measure of faith so that we can begin and we can believe. And then it's up to us to develop that measure of faith and to act in faith. And that's why you see all throughout the scriptures in the New Testament, strong faith, weak faith, dead faith, exceedingly growing faith. You see faith in all different kind of conditions. Well, many times it's in so many conditions is because a lot of times we think that we are believing with our heart when we're actually believing with our head, which isn't really believing, but we would call it that. It's like mental, mentally saying this is the way it is, or in other words, um, mentally agreeing that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. They mentally believe that. Well, you can mentally believe that and uh, you can go straight to hell just to put it bluntly. In other words, the Bible says the demons believe that and they tremble at the thought. Um, because uh, Romans chapter 10, I guess we should go over there, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does that say? If you confess with your mouth and believe where? In your heart. Not in your head, but in your heart. So God's not a mind. You don't connect with God mentally. You connect with God from your heart. And so uh, that's where you believe God from. So our faith is actually something that takes us beyond the natural realm. And I gave the illustration before because it's literally what the, what the word faith means in the Greek. It's pistis. And it means as an act of your will, if you're holding on to this earth life here, you actually completely let go of it and you grab hold of the God life over here. That's an act of faith, okay? Most people can grab hold of that if you're a Christian from... Uh, the moment of salvation. You understand, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then what happens is somehow um, we think that living the life, the Christian life, is different than how we accepted the Christian life. But it's actually the same. And so that's why we talked about if you, you, know, you need healing in some part of your body. It's actually the same thing. You, you have to completely release the um, natural remedy the natural world, the natural source to your healing, and you grab hold of the supernatural as an act of what? Your will. In other words, you decide, for this, I'm going to trust God. Right? King Asa didn't do that. He died. 
right? He had an insignificant thing, and then he didn't do that, and uh, he died. And so uh, I heard about a minister that was reading that devotions with his kids before they went to school one morning, and he read that, and he was getting ready to have a surgery, and he's like, whew. I should turn to the Lord, ask the Lord. And uh, doesn't mean that you can't go to medical science. Thank God, God gave them um, the ability to um, uh, do the best they know how. I'll tell you, if you do turn yourself over to medical science, that you better pay attention. Uh, because uh, um, many times they're just trying to figure it out as best they can. They're doing their very best. But the thing about it is, is you put God first. In other words, if you have an issue in your body this morning, you say, with, as an act of your, your will, your belief, you say, I'm going to put God first. In other words, I'm looking to God. He's my source. And then what these guys do, okay, that's, that, that's, that's uh, in a sense, that's their business. It's your business because you've got to make sure that they're not uh, going to kill you in what they're doing. Um, and the reason I say that is just from experiences I've had in the hospital with people that were almost killed. You know, by people with good intentions trying to do the best thing. You understand I'm not talking bad of doctors. I'm thankful for doctors. Most, a lot of people would be dead if we didn't have doctors. And so, um, but faith is actually not based on what the doctors say. Faith is not based on what the best medical research says. Faith is based on what God says, right? So faith... Um, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, we're just over there in Romans 10, 9. Uh, turn to Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm gonna read it in a couple different translations. Faith results from hearing a message and the message comes through the teaching of Christ. We conclude that faith is awakened by the message and the message that awakens it comes through the word of Christ. That's one of my favorite translations. I think it's New English Bible. Faith, uh, we conclude, in other words, we kind of, okay, this is what it comes down to. Faith is awakened by the message. How can faith be awakened by the message? Because God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. All right? So, in other words, if you are expecting to receive something from God, the way you receive from God is by faith. And if you... If you come with the understanding or the thinking, really false thinking, that, um, well, uh, I don't, I don't uh, have what it takes. You know, maybe not me. Uh, you're not going to receive. That's not faith. Faith is believing God, right? And faith is, um, faith, the believing portion of faith, faith is in a person, the person of God, right? You're believing in God. In other words, you're believing in the character of God. If I said, you know, um, when I was driving into church this morning, I passed on Interstate 66 an Amish buggy in the fast lane. Look, you guys are questioning me. Right? Do you believe me or do you not believe me? I mean, strange things do happen in D.C., but I did not see that. <laughs> Why? Well, I guess the main reason you don't believe me is because of what Jesus said. God is not a man that he should lie. Well, that means that most people uh, will lie. I mean, everybody lies at some point in their life, you know. Um, so we're used to thinking, okay, 
I believe pastor, as long as it uh, kind of lines up with what I'm seeing and what I know, and then, um, you know, for me, like, I'll believe uh, anything that's in the word where I have the witness of the Spirit, because, you know, the devil took scriptures and took them out of context and quoted them to Jesus, so I have to have uh, the Spirit of God bear witness with me. I'm not just going to, like, you could take a bunch of scriptures and say anything you want, you know, pretty much. You can justify uh, almost anything you want to do, and that's a uh, total, total rabbit trail, but that's where so many people are at. Even they'll go and they want to have ministry, and they say, hey, tell me what the Bible says. This is Most people want you to agree with them that they are right so they can do what they want to do. Um, but we're Bible believers, so we go by what the Word of God says um, in full context. But if you stop and you say, well, I just don't have the faith. I, I, just, I just don't measure up. In other words, so-and-so has the faith, but I don't have the faith for that. You've kind of missed it right at the get-go because God has dealt to every single one of us the measure of faith. And again, I want to take you back to someone's initial salvation experience. Okay? So whatever situation, whatever you're believing God for right now, I want you to think the greatest miracle is being recreated in Christ Jesus. Okay? And so in that, how hard is it for someone to believe that Jesus is Lord and receive that? Well, you might think, well, that's super easy. Do you know for some people it's not that easy? Do you know why? Their mind is filled up with a bunch of other stuff. And normally those people were a part of a very religious type of group. Not, not I'm talking a relationship, which we believe in Jesus Christ. But I'm saying they had like, you got to do this, 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 you got to do this. And so for some of them, it's like, what? Well, that's a new message. And so it can be harder for them uh, to accept it because they're cluttered up with all these other things. But simple Bible faith is the easiest thing in the world because God gave it to you. And you can simply believe it. So I, I give that illustration to say, you, we see in the word all these different conditions of faith, all right? Well, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, if Jesus said something, told us to do something, he is just, he is righteous, he is pure, he is not a liar. That means we can do it. He said, have faith in God, lay hold on God's faithfulness, have the faith of God, have the faith from God. So if he said we can do it, then we can do it, and we know who gave us the measure of faith? Who? God did. So we got a measure of faith, the measure of faith, from God. Well, that must be faith that's of God, that's from God, because Jesus said, have that kind of faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, if he said, have the God kind of faith, or lay hold on God's faithfulness, well, if he said that, that must mean there's other kinds of faith that you could equate and what do you call it, grab hold of thinking, okay, I'm acting in uh, this faith. He said, no, no, pay attention. Have the God kind of faith. What does that mean? Well, there is natural human faith, which I just gave an illustration of that you might believe or you might not believe. You can have, uh, you know, uh, you don't see gravity, but you believe it. You know, if you go up on top of this building, you you know, maybe this isn't tall enough, but if you go up on like a 10-story building, to me it's tall enough, but anyhow, uh, you might not want to jump off because you probably believe in gravity. You believe that uh, that law of gravity is still working, whether you feel like it's working or not, right? Well, that's like a natural human faith, but we're to have faith in God. Well, how do we have faith in God? 
He's given everyone the measure of faith. And then Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Literally, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of Christos, which is Christ, which is the anointed one and his anointing. So faith is awakened or faith comes or faith is in present usable form by um, hearing, but hearing what? The rhema of God. Well, what is the rhema of God? That is a word of God spoken by God that comes alive to you. Do you ever have that? When you're reading the scripture, all of a sudden this just stands out to you. You're like, and you see, you're like, you almost can't explain it most of the time because you're like, it says, you know, it says faith comes by hearing. I've never seen that before. You're like, and somebody's like, because they're not getting the rhema at that moment. They're like, yeah, it says faith comes by hearing. That's awesome. You're like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. Like, it says faith comes by hearing. That's because you're getting a rhema word from God. That's where faith comes from. When you get those, all of a sudden, that's God speaking to you. He takes those words, makes them alive to you, tangible to you, real to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God or the rhema literally of Christ, as it says. Some translations say God, other ones say Christ. It's the rhema, the word of God but not the, um, you know, this all is the word of God, the written word of God. But a rhema is a specific word of God for you in your situation. This is why it's so important to learn to pray because you want to hear from God and in your situation, in, um, in uh, Tulsa, at, uh, actually at Rama, which is a Bible college that I went to, um, called Rama, and um, they have, uh, in 1979, uh, when Kenneth Hagin was still on the earth, he started healing school. And so in healing school, if you go to healing school uh, to receive healing, um, in the mornings they minister just to those that are physically uh, ill or diseased, and in the afternoons they'll minister to them and also teach healing for people that want to learn uh, about healing. But when you go, if you have uh, sickness or disease and you want to be ministered to, you know what they do with you? They'll, they'll take you in a smaller group, you know, maybe one-on-one or something like that, and then they'll take some healing scriptures, and they'll say, which, which healing scripture stands out to you the most? Or which scripture is the Lord kind of speaking to you? In other words, they're saying, but they don't say it this way, which scripture is rhema to you? Why? Because when that's alive, all of a sudden, you can receive there. That's where God's working. That's what God's doing. So you can connect there. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema. In other words, you receive from God by what? Faith. So if you're just going to find a scripture that you know, like, okay, I'm supposed to be, for, do, uh, it's healing, so I'm supposed to do 1 Peter 2.24, but it, it just doesn't seem like it has much to me. Well, you might look for some other scriptures because for whatever reason, uh, you're, you're, you're um, what do you call it, more connected with another scripture and the Lord brings it alive to you. Or what you do, I did this, uh, have a, a book on just healing scriptures, a bunch of healing scriptures. And so I would uh, read, read those. And so I just, I don't know, I just felt led of the Lord and I wasn't sick at all. But I started reading every day. Reading every day, these healing scriptures. Well, 1 Peter 2.24 is in there. And it wasn't that alive to me. But I kept reading it. Man, after about 10 days, oh my Lord, that scripture was like, oh! 
And the other times, you know, you're kind of making yourself focus on that scripture because you really want to go to the next one because it means something more to you. Well, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing. So that's another aspect of faith that we talked about before that um, faith is not, faith doesn't come because you heard. Faith comes by hearing. And so, but by hearing the rhema of God or the, the word that is alive to you about the anointed one and his anointing or the word that's alive to you about the message of Christ that came to set men free. And so um, faith is awakened or faith comes by hearing and hearing by a word from God. You got that? So it's not just, um, you know, just there. So you may, you may say like, well, well I don't, uh, it's, it's hard for me to believe that. You know, I've had this in my body for years and years and years, so that's hard for me to believe. Well, find scriptures that cover your case, and you read those scriptures, and like I said, one will stand out to you more than the other. And then, you know, some of these things are not, um, what do you call it? Immediate, what does that mean? Okay, well, let me explain this to you. Um, at this moment, anything that would be in anybody's body or anything you need from God, you could believe at, at this moment because you believe with the God kind of faith and you could, get the, you could get what you're believing God for. In other words, you'd be instantly healed if it's healing or you begin to amend. But what's the problem? Well, the problem is in order to qualify for that, you have to believe. And in order to believe, you have to esteem and honor and fear God and fear the word of God. In other words, realize this is a big deal. You have to obey. You have to do what he says. In other words, uh, whatever is lovely, noble, pure, praiseworthy, think on these things. But you're over there thinking on, well, people with this condition, it goes like this, and they say this, and they say that, and the doctor says this, and the doctor says that. Well, the problem isn't that you don't have faith. The problem is you're not focused on your faith. You're focused on these other things. You understand? So, and the thing is that you can slip into is you, you know, and being in, in the faith camp, you see it sometimes, and it's one of the saddest things you'll ever see is that people are like, well, I just haven't read enough scriptures yet. I just haven't built my faith up enough yet. Da, da, da. Well, there can be an element of truth to that, but the reality is, as soon as you see and you have light, you have rhema, faith is there. And you can get up out of that chair and you can be changed that instant. But so the problem actually is not um, with faith as such. It's the problem with your will. It's a problem with your choice. So you're choosing other things. And you say, well, I would never choose that. I don't choose that, Pastor. I understand that. Neither would I. But you know what? Until you get light from God, until the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, you don't even realize sometimes that you are acting out of hope or you're acting out of reason or you're acting out of what so-and-so said or this input that you had. You don't even realize it. In other words, you can be a Christian, born again, recreated in the image of God, recreated by Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, but Romans 12, 2 says to the born again believer be transformed by the renewing of your mind in other words transform there is Greek word is like I can't say the Greek but metamorph metamorpho whatever it means metamorphosis right completely changed what is that talking about why is a believer got to be completely changed because 
life is in the word. Because faith is in the word. Okay, so last week we also talked about um, that for the believer, so all those things I told you except for the act of the will, that right there, um, Old Testament believers could believe the exact same way. But what do we believe? Well, we do believe in the same God of the Old Testament, but we believe in the gospel. In other words, we believe in the message. Okay, we're in Romans chapter 10, so we're just going to stay in Romans chapter 10. Uh, let's start with verse 6. Well, no. Oh, boy. I'll start with verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. In other words, it speaks like this. The righteousness which is by faith, right? So he's been um, talking about the righteousness which is by works, which people in the Old Testament tried to establish. In other words, they wanted to be made right with God um, by what they did, right? By obeying the law and all the little laws they added to it, and then you'd be considered righteous, and then, of course, you could go to heaven and be with God, and that's how they're doing it. But this is different. The righteousness which is of faith which is the righteousness that we are to have, and even the Old Testament, the Jews today are to have, um, speaks like this. Say not in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend from the deep? That's to bring Christ again up from the dead. But what does it say? Verse 8. The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. I got I to gotta pause there because that's such a good message. In other words, we'll not have sin consciousness. In other words, whoever believes on him won't feel like they can't go to God, like they can't approach God. In other words, whoever believes, if you believe this and you're a Christian and you messed up this week, if you believe this, then you won't have a hesitation in praying to God. You won't have a hesitation if somebody says, will you pray for me? You won't have a hesitation because you are not ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? So that's not just in the initial act of salvation. In any situation, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In sickness, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In mental distress, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall, verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay? So last week, we, we, we read about gospel. And the power that's in the gospel. And so the power of God um, is in the gospel. In fact, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God. And when we believe, when we have faith in God, we actually have faith in the gospel message. In other words, we have faith in the message of the death, the burial, and very importantly, the resurrection 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we look back real quick at Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, what? God raised him from the dead, the resurrection. Right? So you believing in your heart, the resurrection, and you're confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So faith is actually in the, the, the word of the gospel, the message of the gospel, the message that was preached. And actually, when the message of the gospel is preached, uh, the, the thing I read last week said that the proclaimers of that, people who talk about that, are as Jesus was. In other words, they have the same power that was resident in Christ, the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is right there in the preaching of the gospel. So I say, like, you know, and I, I, we said it last week, but when Jesus was died, buried, and he rose again for you and for me, the second you say that, the power that raised him from the dead is available at that moment. Do you understand? Like right now. That same power is available. Well, look, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, back to the same one. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? Jesus is master. Jesus is victor. Jesus conquered all of that. He's summing it up right, right, right here in this little thing, right? But what it is is, you understand, Jesus didn't overcome a physical limitation of death, just, right? He did overcome that, of course. And he, he but... The iniquity of us all, in other words, the sins of us all, but also iniquity is kind of like a bent, you know, a proclivity to sin or a proclivity to do a certain thing, you know, uh, that, that, you know, this, well, it's in my family, well, I've had this for years. Jesus, that iniquity, that thing that you just struggle and struggle and struggle with was laid on Jesus Christ, but not just yours, mine too. And yours and yours and yours and yours and every person that has lived or will live on the earth, all of those mistakes, all of those iniquities, all of those bents were laid on him. Not just that. Every sickness and every disease was laid on him. So all of this was laid on him. Not just that. Every mental problem, every emotional problem, every um, not measuring up, every failure, every weakness that you have, whether it's a physical strength weakness, whether it's um, a mental weakness, whether it's any other kind of weakness. That was all laid on Christ. So when God, uh, and, and Christ paid the penalty for all of our sins, penalty for every time we would miss it, every mistake, everything. And then not only did he pay the penalty, the Bible says that he got the keys of death and hell itself. Well, what is hell? Hell is the punishment for unrighteousness, for not measuring up, for all of those things I just said and the mistakes. So not, and then it says in Colossians that he actually took all the powers of the enemy and Satan himself and paraded him through the streets of eternity, stripped of all power, stripped of everything. And some translations say naked. In other words, he had nothing. And everyone could see what a wimpy really is. And so... Jesus, in the resurrection, he not just overcame physical death. That is like nothing compared to what he overcame. 
He overcame all the power of the enemy, all the deadness of flesh, all the endness of the curse and of the, the natural life. He overcame every bit of that, and he threw it off, and he was not just like, oh, that was a rough fight, you know, glad I made it through. No, he was um, more than victorious. And so, as I was reading yesterday, the message of the gospel it says, like, well, what is gospel? And so I got this dictionary that goes through, like, well, in the Old Testament it says this, and the New Testament it says this, and Judaism it says this, in the Greek world it says this, and, you know, so basically every single way. And so they're talking about in the Greek world, which the New Testament was originally written in Greek, when you said gospel, what was, a, what was someone with a gospel message? Well, typically it would be someone that was out in the battle, and they had won the battle. And the gospel messenger was the one that was coming back saying, we won, we won, we won. And so the gospel message is a message, we won, we won, we won. Like Jesus won. And so it's a, it's a message that whatever is trying to bind you or whatever has bound you has been broken. And you have been set free in whatever area. If it's spiritually, you've never been born again. If it's physically, if it's mentally, if it's emotionally, you have been set free. And the power of the gospel is in the message. And actually, literally, in the definition of the power of the gospel, it says that when you declare that message, the declaration of that message, that what I just said, is actually what breaks bondage. It removes all those things. It seems to line up with what Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free or make you free. So the problem, the power that the devil has is the power of a lie. He actually is the father of lies. And so, um, I have to finish. So the thing is, you may see that and you may say, yeah, I believe that. Um, but you may not fully believe it. In other words, you may say like, um, forgive me, I'm going to borrow an illustration from somebody in here, but I'm not going to say who. <laughs> so you may say like, yeah, I believe that, but I feel like I, I'm going to dive into a pool, and so I'm going to go up like the ladder to the diving board, and I just can't get out like on, the, la on the, the end of the diving board to like get the courage to jump in. Well, why, why, why do you say that? Well, because you actually have the faith of God, and you see that it's there, but you don't have the courage to jump in. Well, and sometimes the reason for that is you have other experiences or other beliefs that aren't founded and based from the word of God. And uh, you know the person I'm borrowing that from, I'm not even saying that's you. But what happens is, you have a, a, many times a negative experience in your life, and you think, I trusted God, but he didn't come through. So all of a sudden, you have this big hang up, because... Your heart is rejoicing and hears that and like, oh, that's true, that's true. But you have this, this experience that you don't want to, 
But you're like, uh, letting it hold you back. In other words, it's stopping you. But you, so you have that belief. You're probably solid in that belief. But like I was talking about, you have a, as an act of the will, you have to let go of that experience and you have to turn to Christ. What happens so many times is most people want to be used of God and they want to uh, trust God. And so uh, sometimes we put our own interpretation on something that God told us and maybe that's not really what the Lord was saying. And then we act on that and we look back and say, well, this is what the Lord, but the Lord led me into that. Well, you can look. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And if that's not abundant life, then um, maybe he didn't lead you into that. And if it's with a relationship, I, I have to tell you, like I said, God's not going to force anyone to be born again. So as an act of their will, they can turn from God. They have a, a choice. It, do, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, what they said before, or this or that or whatever, they could turn from God. And so you may have, um, we call it, relationship issues that hold you back from fully opening up to God. So what we have to do is we go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, you, you're not a liar. You tell the truth. And so I'm putting myself, like I said, in faith. I'm just putting myself in your hands. You find scriptures uh, that cover. We sang that song, God, you're a good, good father. Psalm 119 talks about the goodness of God. It actually says, my favorite, it's my favorite goodness verse. It says that you are good and you do good. In other words, you are good. That's good enough. Well, seemingly. But you do good. Right? So God is good. But a lot of people say, yeah, okay, God is good, but he's up there far off. He doesn't really care. No, no, no. He does care. And he does good. And so if you come with that foundation, you understand the character of God himself. All of a sudden, you can drown out those screaming voices from the past and say, okay, that's, that's all there. I don't understand everything, but I'm standing on the word. And the word says, God is good, and God does good, and every good and perfect gift comes down from him, whom there is what? No variableness, no, nor shadow of turning, like no hint of turning. Like, you understand that? Comes down from him. It's good. There's not even a hint. Not a shadow. Like I'm making a shadow. There's like, there's no hint that he would turn from his goodness. And then remember what the devil does. He did it in Genesis, and that's how he's always going to do it. He is not creative. So he's going to say, did God really say? He's going to question God's intentions. Well, God wanted to teach you something through evil. Like, it's really what he's saying, but he doesn't say it that way. He wanted to teach you something, and he could trust you with this, and that is, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And so um, what God entrusts you with is his power and his love and his authority so that you can be free and you can set other people free. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, um, he's actually here right now. 
where two or three are gathered together in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, he is there. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that took him um, and delivered him from all the power of the devil and the enemy. And actually it says, the, the word says that Jesus is like the firstborn of a new generation or a new breed. He's the first one. He's our forerunner. And so the same power that delivered him from all of that and raised him from the dead is here right now to deliver you from all of that junk and to deliver you from the old life and for you to actually receive the same life that Jesus has that raised him from the dead. It'll raise you from the dead. In other words, if you're not born again, uh, you're dead while you're living. You need to be recreated on the inside. And uh, it's real simple. You can't do anything uh, to make it happen except you receive what he did. You know, you believe and you receive, like we said. If that's you this morning, I'd like you to lift up your hand. We'll pray with you and we'll pray for you. And in an instant of time, you'll go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And if that's you and you're listening online, don't, don't hesitate. Don't live another day uh, in the old way or the old life. Because Jesus has paid the price for you right now, today, at this moment, while you're listening to this, to receive his very life. And this life is not life like you know. This is abundant life. This is fullness of life. This is complete life. This is like you wake up in the morning and you say, oh, I didn't know it could be so good. So if that's you and you're listening online, I want you to email us at info at anchordc.org and we will um, get you some materials and pray with you. And... Um, I just want you to pray with me right now, everyone in this room. Um, say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I accept what Jesus has done for me. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead for me. I take him as my Lord. I'm not going to live for myself anymore, but I'm going to live for Jesus every single day for the rest of my life. I thank you, Father, that you have now saved me, that I am born again, that Christ lives in me, and I live in him. In Jesus' name, amen.